an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 794. Let's go to the Nerdist Community Court Board. Lots of fun stuff going on. Jonathan Freeman writes, Las Vegas is, has a thriving local comedy scene. The open mics are supportive, well-attended, and fun. Unfortunately, very little in the way of local comedy shows that are not anchored to the casinos. Stand-up at the casinos means competing with slot machines, booze, boobs, for uh, the audience's attention. I know. I, you know, this I know, Jonathan, and is one of the reasons why I don't perform in Vegas very often. But I'm so glad to hear that there is a thriving local comedy scene. So, uh... The Good Show is a show that he's producing at the Bunkhouse Saloon in downtown Arts District, which is great. Completely revitalized. Uh, there's also a really cool uh, uh, arcade down there. That uh, It's like an arcade bar that you should go check out. Uh, show dates for his show can be found at the, his Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash bunkhouselv. Bunkhouselv. Then Marcel Raphael writes, The Harry Potter Alliance turns fans into heroes. Our community of activists, nerds, and pop culture enthusiasts has tackled all kinds of important issues, from marriage equality to ethical cocoa sourcing. The Friends of the Operating Library fundraiser will be an- uh, announcing their annual international book drive, Akio Books. This year they're working with Masaka HPA, that's our chapter in Uganda, to raise books for the Good Shepherd School in Masaka. Uh, they will send thousands of books to the school in order to stock its brand new library, and the campaign also supports three local U.S. events to advocate for increased support for public libraries. Previous Akio Books campaigns have raised over 250,000 books for communities in need, and they couldn't have done it without the generous support of their community. To find out more, donate, go to Indiegogo and search Apparating Library. This I saw on the Nerdist subreddit, which of course is just r forward slash Nerdist. Hey, Nerdist people, my husband Jim Nyland is an avid consumer of comedy and nerdy things and a loyal listener to the Nerdist podcast. Thank you, Jim. His 50th birthday is approaching March 29th, and I wonder if you could help me surprise him by shouting out to him on social media and or the podcast. Uh, happy birthday, Jim Nyland! It's your 50th birthday, Jim. And I want to tell you something. Not only is Jim an avid comedy consumer and finds time to watch comedy and listen to his podcasts and watch a lot of great other stuff, but uh, they have six kids. Two 17-year-olds, a 19-year-old, a 21-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 13-year-old. Six kids, and they still find time. And they all get together, and they, they kind of, like, they bond as a family over Nerdist stuff. So uh, he's a VP of sales for Get Fresh Produce in the Chicago suburbs. So thanks to Jim over at Get Fresh. You know what? 
If you're uh, if you're on Twitter, maybe give uh, Jim Nyland at Jim Nyland. That's J I M N Y L A N D. A big old happy birthday hug uh, on the Twitter and on Instagram. He's James Nyland because he's more formal on Instagram. And uh, there you go. So happy birthday, Jim! I hope you have a great fiftieth birthday. And thank you so much for supporting. And uh, we adore you, and we send you hugs. And also, your wife is rad. And that's his wife, Beth Nyland, because uh, as the old saying goes, no man is an island. Huh? No man is a knight, and his Beth is his... Oh, explaining the jokes is always the best part. Anyway, happy birthday to you, Jim. This episode is Reggie Watts. Reggie Watts, dear, dear, dear old friend who uh, I've known for a very long time, since a lot of you were probably in grade school. Uh, he, of course, is on The Late Late Show with James Corden on CBS every night. And he's in a new film called Creative Control, uh, which you should absolutely watch. And anything that you can find of Reggie's online, the man is a friggin' genius. He, and not, not just a creative arts genius. He is a legitimate genius. Um, conversation with Reggie uh, <laughs> range from uh, farts to accents to... Regional dialects to particle physics. Uh, I absolutely adore him, and I'm so happy that he was able to come back on the podcast. Here's another podcast number 794 with Mr. Reggie Watts. Katie, roll the thing. That was my uh, vocal scratch DJing. Always better when you explain it. Now entering Nerdist.com. Your Honor. So this is a this is a quick summons. This is my client here uh, has found that uh, the the process that we're running into is going to be delayed by two months, which isn't in the agreement, but we're hoping to get past that t- today. Why didn't you include that in your motion? Um, well, quite frankly, we weren't prepared, and and as taking on the new client, I had to take over the the paperwork from his prior representation. So that's why he murdered the previous judge. Well, that's conjecture. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I'll allow it. Just say random. <laughs> I'll allow it. Good. Okay. Case closed. Uh, yeah, case I closed. Guess. That's what judges say. To be honest, I'm not really a judge. I was just cleaning up the office, and you guys came in and sat down. I didn't even like the other guy. Hey, it was, you know what? It was practice. <laughs> but it was I guess practice. since I'm in this chair, I get to make those determinations. <laughs> that's, so, yeah, go. You're free. That, that's yeah. how law works. Ooh, whatever that guy did, I'm sure he was a dick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Perfect. Welcome, Mr. Watts. Thank you. So you're doing a show tonight. You're doing your own show tonight. My own show. Yes, I'm doing a show tonight. I'm doing uh, the, the band thing that we do every night. Nice. Which is, but your show's at No, besides at nine. Courtney. Our show's at nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah I don't, well, I mean, technically I could if I went first but where is it at meltdown oh meltdown um <laughs> no meltdown oh meltdown meltdown uh, oh meltdown man no um, <laughs> okay now you just added another word okay. meltdown uh, okay fine whatever frenchy um i i, I'm, I might be able Suck to do rape. it because i have to be there by 10 30 yeah yeah if you, you could go up first yeah and you you, you know if you only want to do 10 yeah. or 15 or 20 minutes or That'd whatever the show starts at 9 you'll be done by 9 20 uh, yeah i would love that Let's okay do it. great okay you're in great i made it do you want to? Do you want me to set any audio up stuff up for you, or are you? 
Oh, uh, I'll probably just. Mm. I'll probably eh. if there's one di because sometimes I I not do I not do things you not with, do things with music sometime um, I not do things sometime I not do things but sometime maybe Let, tonight let's, let's see how let's see how long we can communicate without any let's let's eradicate plurals oh my god yeah <laughs> I I love talk talking like that uh, no that didn't that didn't work that was actually uh, fun that was that good okay <laughs> fuck oh well let's, the problem the problem is you syndrome. you use two word yes I did uh, I did use two word. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Reggie Watt. Yes, Watt. Like, is that plural? It's like it is plural. Oh, I didn't know that. It's crazy. How many watts are there? There's a lot. Okay, obviously, there's a lot. Watts. Yeah, it's a good thing that the unit is called a a, a one watt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the guy's name was Watts, so they shortened it to Watt. Yeah. How many watts? Well, that that's it's a one watt amplifier. Well, at least that guy, at least that guy isn't Thomas Crapper. Oh, gross! That guy, Thomas Crapper, real. Whose name? Became synonymous with pooping. Uh, the crapper. Yeah. The crapper. Well, he invented the outhouse, right? He, I think he invented the toilet. Like, the I toilet. Think oh, invent- the toilet itself. Like the flushing toilet? He, invent- he, he invented a type of toilet. Okay. And I think it was that sort of like gravity-based. It's gravity-fed. <laughs> you know, where it's... <laughs> it's free ra- They're free-range toilets. Gravity-fed. Uh, they're not kept in cages. No. Nope. They're not <laughs> fed that synthetic gravity. <laughs> Synthetic gravity is a great name for like a fucking trip hop band. Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, I love these guys. I love synthetic gravity. The best. We make our own gravity. Like, whoa, (laughs) heavy. They uh, they were supposed to open for Black Hole, but then Black Hole just completely destroyed. Oh man, there were yeah, there was just there was nothing left. They were they were squashed to the size of a of a cork. How are you handling uh, doing a, a having this structured of a life uh, where you're at Corden, you know, most days of the week? I uh, imagine five days a week. Yeah, four days. Four days. Yeah, Crondon. But you still have to be there between. I do two thirty and six thirty. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. I mean, anybody with a job, which is uh, most people, will say like that's an amazing schedule, and it's true. But um, the regularity is a weird thing for me. It's weird to go. You know what? I'm going to go to New York. Oh, I only have three days. Yeah. Oh yeah. So like, I have, I'll make out to. How do I maximize the time? So I mean, it t- cuts down on spontaneity a little bit. Like, where what can I do? Where can I go? But you know it. It is a platform. I have to always look at the, the the good of it, which is oh, it's a platform to uh, I don't know to have more visibility to possibly leverage more opportunity or something like that. Yeah. I mean, and you did get to sing at BB Eight, which was that's true. Yeah, even though they were very like the the Disney police were like it, it can't appear as though BB Eight is doing a duet with you. Um, he's not part of the band, you know. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like I, under, I understand they don't want BB8 to be associated with the 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 band, the Late Late Show band. I, I get that. Did but... they think people were going to watch and go, "Oh, they added this soccer ball robot to the lineup"? <laughs> so, I don't sure. know what he's playing. Triangle or so he's playing sphere. It's, it's so weird. He has a salad bowl on top of a bowl. <laughs> mm, I, I guess know. he's in the band because they didn't say he wasn't. <laughs> he looks kind of familiar. <laughs> um, cute noises um yeah so there was like a lot of like going back and forth about what he could do and what he can't do you have a weird oh it was an ant um so like oh my uh, god it is a fucking flying ant. it's a flying ant i don't know what to do i guess you just let him do his thing Should I? no don't kill him he's gonna be fine oh there's a bunch of them oh weird ah! Where are they? Ah! 
No, no, he's ant guy. You died on the way over here. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, he is dead. That's what do you weird. want to do? Why? Is it a termite? I... That I don't know. That if it's a termite, it should be destroyed. No, I think it's a flying ant who's trying it's to a start a new ant. colony. Yeah, get out of here. Go, fly. <laughs> All right, Katie, you have to kill it. Did it, did, did it? He's on the it's, ground. He's fine. Just don't worry about him now. Once he's on the ground, that's it. I mean, we're moving out of here in a couple of weeks. If a colony of ants take over this room, it doesn't really affect us in they, any way. They're probably just scoping it out for their podcast. Yeah, the ants. <laughs> the ants just looking for casting possibilities for some of the Disney Channel shows. Like, ant cast. <laughs> Hi, we're ants. That's it. That's all they say. We're ants. Mm, can you be a little more anti? <laughs> um, look, I just found a chemical trail. Uh, <laughs> bye. Okay. Got work to do. <laughs> That's so weird. We referenced chemtrails in the in the meeting today at, uh, at midnight. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. You become a psychic when you do your weird ant character. Well, you know, I, I, I will go into ant mode next time I need to solve some crazy ineffable problem. Your voice, it, singing the song at BB-8, who... Yes. I, I'm sorry. Is he in the band? I wasn't clear oh, right. on that. No, he's not. He's, okay. He's, I mean, the idea is that, oh, he's a friend. We met at the Critics' Choice Awards, <laughs> and uh, I took a picture with him. And I was like, hey, baby. And uh, gave the, the puppeteer a little bit of a, a nudge. I don't think he got it, but I was just like, oh, I was like, how is that operating by itself? I'm like standing next to him going, right. I wonder if someone's controlling it, that kind of a thing. And, and he was just like not. He was nonplussed. I'm, I'm, I'm controlling it. He was like, I'm controlling it. No, I know, but it's like when you're trying to but get someone to. Doing it though. When you're used to hanging out with comedians, but you realize the the rest of the world does yeah. a yes and every I, bit. I know yeah. totally. They're not like bitting yeah. each other. I'm the guy that does, and you're the. Anyway, and then you have to explain. See, I, I know. I, just, I thought it'd be funny <laughs> if we just assume that he was autonomous and not. I'm just controlling this uh, puppet. Like, okay. <laughs> Bye. Um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so the idea was like, oh, we met at uh, the thing and uh, we're friends and we talked about doing something together and that was kind of it. So we we don't actually say anything about what the arrangement is. But anyways, the, what the, they ended up just make, cutting it together to make it look like a duet anyways. So, yeah. So fine. It was but fine. You sa- your voice is, re- is amazing. Your voice is uh, ridiculous. Oh, man. It makes me angry how amazing your voice is. Thanks, man. Thank it's, you. There's no, there's no wavering. <laughs> Just like every fucking note is just like a, a, an Olympic landing. <laughs> Bam. It's, you know, because I can't, because I do so much talking with everything. Yes. And it, but you have a great voice. Sh- but it, my voice is shredded all the time because I can't, I, I'm, I talk loudly all the time. Uh, and yeah, just, just right, 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 right. Do you ever, did you ever like uh, talk to vocal whatever coaches about like how you produce your time. I went to a vocal coach before I shot my last special in 2012 because I was starting to lose my voice on the road. Yes. And I was very worried that I was going to lose my voice for the special because yeah. I was doing so many shows. And so he did. He taught me how to he taught me how to talk and cuz I get so excitable when I talk that I tense up and I force yes, air through my right. cords. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so for uh, for like a week, I was actually doing I was doing stand up the way you're supposed to talk properly. Yeah, and it was throwing me off. Oh, uh, you were too conscious. It was throwing off my rhythm the way I talk mm-hmm. and the rhythm of the joke. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I think I'm just going to be uh, horse all the time. Yeah, or or st- Captain Steroids. Yeah, yeah. You know, I you ever done that. I, one time, it's the weirdest. One time, I had to do a show, and they gave me these three little pills. Yeah, and it just like everything. It was weird. It wasn't that like it went numb. I just couldn't feel that I had a throat anymore. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, and and 
you know, my doctor was like, it's not a good idea to do this very often. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I did it one time. No, it's weird. I remember a friend of mine who had lost her voice. It was a long time ago. And I, and, and she said, uh, yeah, it's like uh, it's like you're driving a car or like you're in a car, but you're not driving it. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly what it feels like because it doesn't feel – it doesn't feel connected to your body in a weird sort of way, but yeah. you're still producing sounds. Yeah, it's like you're you're watching yourself produce sounds. You're like, where am I right now? I don't know if people realize like you. It's not that you're not doing damage. It just makes it so that you can't feel that you're doing horrible damage. Yeah, so that's it's like, why it's bad. Yeah, it reduces the. You know, it's like it's all inflammation. So it's like the steroid reduces the inflammation, but it it feels weird because it's it's artificially getting rid of your inflammation so you can like temporarily for a moment have your voice back how do you maintain yours uh <laughs> you just sing all the time so your voice is yeah i sing all the time like i was worried in the beginning because we were i was doing every tuesday night at uh, el cid um and uh with the band with the late late show band and we were just doing improv for like two hours straight and uh i was worried about you know, fuck, fucking my voice up, but like it was fine. It was, oh, I, I mean, I would get hoarse the next day, but I would notice that as long as I didn't smoke weed, um, as long as I just treated myself well, like as though I were kind of like an athlete. I didn't warm up or anything like that, but but I'm singing at the late late show anyways, and I'm always singing throughout the day, so I feel like I keep myself naturally warmed up. Yeah, and then when I do these big shows. I, I just try to be conscious of not pushing my voice too much. Did you stop smoking and just <laughs> did you just switch to edible? <laughs> I mean, I'm primarily an I'm primarily an edible guy, anyways. So uh, the smoking was just like you know, it's a social thing. You're backstage, and the band's like, "Hey, man, we're gonna have a great show tonight." Hey, this is strawberry, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, ah, how can I not have strawberry? <laughs> Smells like strawberry. You could just eat a strawberry. I know, but I, I, this is a new way to enjoy strawberry. It's so cool, strawberry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I try, and now I just try to like. There's this, uh, there's this marijuana uh, soft drink that you, you ran into it at the Riot Fest. It was a uh, sprig. Oh, I didn't know that's yeah. what that was. I'm was, glad I didn't drink it. Oh, that would have no. fucking that would have ruined my. Do sobriety. not do not I drink feel really an weird. Can. Don't drink an entire can. Oh my god, that's 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 sort of the problem. with legs marijuana is it just like sneaks into shit. Where I you're know. Not, I know. You're like, yeah. is this marijuana? It's for some people are gonna have marijuana paranoia. They're like, is this? I can't eat anything. It's a new eating disorder. Well, at that point, I might as well just eat it because I would get the paranoia if I ate it. So if I'm gonna have it when I'm not eating it, I might as well just get it both ways. California man, is everything? Everything's everything's just everything is marijuana say, now. Yeah. We were, I think I remember we were at this might have been like in Vancouver. We were some it was Vancouver because it was Canada and you had gone to some super high end edible oh the chocolate the lady. Shop. Yeah, the lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so we were about to fly out. We we were like an hour away from leaving for the airport and we were at a diner and you had these two hunks of marijuana chocolate and you were like fuck it. So you got hot water and just melted it into the hot water and drank it like oh, that. That's right. Cuz you couldn't leave with it. Yeah, that's right. You oh, you shit. smuggled it in your blood. Yes, that's <laughs> that's right. Yeah, just temporarily. And then I get an entire like transfusion and then they just they pull it out. <laughs> Do you I I assume my mule. I assume <laughs> blood mule. I take a special chemical so it doesn't actually get absorbed into my 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 body. A blood mule sounds like a weird airbender character. Oh yeah, blood yeah. mule. I'm a blood mule. I am the blood mule, level five. But I, 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 I assume it's probably the same. Uh, you, you must kind of, un- you must understand. Well, if I if I consume this much, I'll get this kind of mm-hmm. high. And if I don't, if I don't push too far, mm-hmm. I mean, can you get? Do you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm too high, and what does that feel like? Yeah, you know, when I'm driving and people are honking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like they're and like my car's on its side, uh, one wheel's just spinning. Yeah, totally. Like, when yeah. everything, when the ground is like, like I can see when it the from ground my is in the sky, <laughs> yeah, and the totally sky is, is in the, the ground. ground. Synthetic <laughs> gravity. Now, um, synthetic gravity. <laughs> synthetic gravity. Buy it in stores. Yeah, I no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I definitely get too high for sure. I mean, I've the edibles are tough. I mean, when I when I when I first saw the sprig can. I, I didn't have it in my bag for some reason. Like, it was gone. Like, probably someone just took it. And someone else had that can. I was like, what is that? Oh, my God. What? I was, like, so excited about it. And then finally, someone found a can for me, and I, and I drank, like, half of it. And someone was like, don't just drink a quarter of it. Why wouldn't they just give it to you in a smaller serving? You know, ask, ask the entire edibles industry. It's my, <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's my biggest pet peeve about edibles. It's like, here's a cookie. Like, oh, that's a beautiful cookie. Yeah, um, only have a sixteenth of it. Just break off a crumb. Like a crumb? What are you talking about? Just make the cookie. Just make them smaller. The, the, the size, the dose that a normal, because you're going to want to eat one cookie. Right. So just make the one cookie the dose that you're supposed to have, like five milligrams, which is the standard basic unit of highness right <laughs> but this can has 45 milligrams in it. so oh, so you're like you know it's oh this is tasty and then you next thing you know you've drank like three quarters of a can of it and it's a it's a good high but it's definitely not you don't want to you don't want to do much technical stuff you know at this point right. if i accidentally did that it's been and, and even though I, weed for me was only, i only ever did a handful of times because it made me so paranoid but if i ever accidentally did mm. i I would, I would just fucking run onto the freeway, scream like I would yeah. be uncontrollable. I would yeah. freak out. I'm so not used to feeling anything odd yeah. happening with my body yeah. that I honestly don't know what I, what would happen. It's it's a it's a hard one. I mean, I will say that I am I am focused. You've convinced me. What? I, it's like that was so easy. It's like <laughs> no. Here you go, Chris. Here's some new. No, I I mean the thing is like I think microdosing is the key. I think taking like like 2.5 milligrams like if you're at home it's like just enough of a hint of something to like if you wanted to relax and kind of not be like i'm thinking about all the millions of things i have to do which is my that's my thing it's like i i get too locked into all the overwhelming things coming at me mm-hmm. that <clears throat> when i take when i especially when it's an edible and it's like the right dose i kind of kick back and i watch my favorite shows and i i just Kind of get back into the moment a little bit more easily. You create synthetic gravity. I do. It's my own synthetic gravity, my very own. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think like microdosing is the key. I, it's for me. I don't like to get like. It's I don't. It's my thing is not to get like hyper fucked up. It's more like a subtle augmentation. And something like Sprig is interesting because, and I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying what I like about it is that it's super scientifically measured. So it's very, very precise. And the type of strain that they use, everything is super controlled. Mm-hmm. So by, so you have this consistency, which is, which is dreadfully lacking in most edibles. What does it taste like? It's kind of grapefruity, uh, like a, like a, effervescent grapefruit with a tinge of you can definitely taste a little bit of weed in it um but it's it's really nice like you take you put it in like a little shot glass and that amount like i don't know it's it's a perfect amount for me but uh i don't know i'd love to develop my own products with like saint john's wort mixed with like a little bit of cbd um uh weed or whatever to just kind of help with anti-inflammatory stuff like i want to get more sciency so it's less like man i don't get fucked up are you gonna end up becoming like miracle max and living in a tree and yes <laughs> yes and i'm going to finally remake 
the apple dumpling gang. <laughs> finally! <laughs> Someone finally is going to remake that movie. I mean, of all the reboots, <coughs> I can't win. Well, of course, <clears throat> you got to do the origin story. Of course. You know. Yeah, and who's going to be Don Knotts? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who is today's Don Nuts? I don't know who Don Nuts I don't know who our Don Nuts is. Oh, could be Jack McBrayer. Oh, that could be it. Yes, because he's got the t- he's got the accent. He's got a little bit of this. Uh, you know, he he, he could, gets more an- if he got more animated, a little bit more animated. Yeah, he could do it. That would be it. That'd he's be really it. funny. I love Jack. He's he's amazing. Yeah, I, I love him in the new uh, or the. Uh, was it the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they just now call Todd. They Todd just call Margaret. it Todd, Todd Margaret. Yeah, yeah, which is brilliant. But uh, yeah, it's, he's such a weirdo. It's so cool to see him in London. Have you ever have you ever gone a, a length of time where you said, you know, I'm not going to do the, I'm not going to eat any weed for a while and just yeah. kind of see what happens to my brain. Totally. And what happens to your brain? I don't really notice much of a difference, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know what it is? It's like it gets. I'm a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just a little mellower, I guess, in, in a way. Like if, for instance, if I go on tour and I'm, you know, touring in Europe, most of the time you're not going to really run into weed. You'll run into hash. We have to like work at getting it, and I don't really like to work at finding weed. <laughs> so, so I just don't do it, and I don't do it for a month or something like that. I don't really notice. Like I, I, I don't go through a period of time where I'm like, oh, I haven't had that weed. I really need that weed. I don't really notice it. It's just more like if it's around, um, then I'll do it once in a while. But like. I, I, yeah, I don't really have that thing. I've never been like the type of guy that's like cocaine, which I've tried twice in my life, and it just felt like I just took four shots of espresso and I feel gross. But um, I've, I'm not. I don't really have that addictive of a personality when it comes to uh, drugs. I guess I never did that. I never did anything else because I was I was always terrified. A that my my I would feel like my heart was going to explode. Exactly. And then I also was afraid like. Oh, what if it's the greatest thing in the world? I what know. if it's the greatest thing in the world and then that's it? Yeah. You know, because I, I at least was aware. I, I knew that I drank a lot, so I felt like, well, I think maybe I might have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. I maybe I'll just maybe I'll just keep it to beer for a while. Sure. And yeah. then uh but I, I but there were days where I would I would wake up near the end where I was like, I don't think I'm doing this well. I don't think this is the right thing to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I I sensed mm-hmm. so I was always too afraid that I was just gonna like ah. Yeah, no, I and I get it. I get it. That's what I think a lot many people's fear about that. But I will say this most of the time the synthetic drugs, like whether it's MDMA or MDA or whatever the hell a two C B, all that stuff. It's good the first time. It's amazing the first time. And then you're just chasing the first time. And, and it just becomes depressing. Yeah. So I remember, I think I did MDMA or ecstasy three times. And the first time I was like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. I'm, I'm getting so much emotional insight. And I'm connecting with my two friends that I'm doing it with. And it's really amazing. The second time I was like, ah, kind of, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, pretty good. And the third time it wasn't as good. And I just, I, I just immediately realized, oh, it's never going to be as good as that first time. Right. So I just never did it again. So like, all, all, and then cocaine was like, eh, whatever. Um, and I think I tried it for real once. I, tr- I tried cocaine for real once in Cleveland. <laughs> Tells a lot of the story. That's, that's where you do it. Uh, I had a gig at the Grog Shop, which is this dope place in Cleveland, and um, and then afterwards, like some some people were like, "Hey, come on over for this after party, or whatever." It was like six people, seven people at this cool like craftsman house uh, close to the lake, and 
And uh, this neurosurgeon guy, this like really badass, like uh, kind of country renowned neurosurgeon, came over and he had a huge bag of cocaine. Oh my god! And 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 it was just like, well, here's the cocaine, guys. And I was like, okay, well, here I am at this kind of quasi deadhead's house um, with a neurosurgeon who just pulled out a bag of cocaine. (laughs) I guess if anybody that I'm going to trust cocaine, I guess it would be the neurosurgeon. The neurosurgeon, yeah. Um, So anyways, so I did like the thing where people have a line and then they hang out for a little while and then they have another. I think I had like three lines or something like that. I don't like snorting. So I had to really kind of just pretend I was someone else. But uh, I kind of got it. It kept me up a little bit. I didn't get the talkative thing like people said. But again, it wasn't really – it didn't do anything for me. Enough so much, or so much that I that I felt like I needed to do that again, or find cocaine. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like I feel lucky in that respect. Now all I got is weed. I just eat weed. That's I it. feel like you know, even a- asking for drugs to me seems yeah. comical. Or like, yes. do you guys have any cocaine? Like even yeah, saying that it's seems so weird. So ridiculous. I, I think I mean, maybe it was like a year or two after college. Um, this girl invited me to a party. This girl that I kind of knew in college invited me and Mike Furman, actually. We were roommates at the time. It's like 1995 to uh, to a party. And she was like, yeah. And just the way she said it was so weird. She goes, um, yeah, there's going to be, you know, it'll be a fun party. There's going to be music and like some, some booze. There's going to be, uh, you know, weed, crack, uh, nachos. Like it was just like, she just like dropped the word crack in there. Oh we're like, what? Like it just sounded so weird to say. It's like you don't speak it out no, loud. It's you don't just, say that. It's yeah. a joke. It's, it's like a joke. You're on the news. Yeah. But we laugh. We're like, <laughs> but she didn't laugh. So it was like it was. They really were having crack at the party, but it was just such a weird thing to. Wow. We ended up not going to the party. Good idea. My, my, Mike and I were Mike and I were very straight laced kids. So actually, the one of the few times I ever did weed was with Furman, who went through a period where he, you know, like he would smoke semi regularly. Yeah. He doesn't do it anymore. Uh, hasn't hasn't for years. But but he had this box that he got at the Sharper Image in the eighties, which should tell you something. Yep. And it was called the Light L Y T E, and it was a wand. And one half of the light was was this like um, was green, and one half was red, and it measured the bass and treble. One oh, measured the, right. the green, red measured the treble, and the red measured the bass. And so uh, it would spin in patterns, and you'd hook oh, it up to your right. stereo, and it would create these insane flourishing light three <laughs> D like patterns, patterns. Like, like like flowers, like a spirograph yeah. kind of thing. And uh, we did we determined. The best album to listen to high watching the light was uh, Steve Miller Band's Greatest Hits. Oh my god, that's great! Because <laughs> especially on like Fly Like an Eagle, or like what? Like we were just the fucking stereotypical like, whoa, the fucking light is crazy. <laughs> yeah. like- and then I started to get like my heart, my heart's beating really fast. You know, I was like, like I started to get. Paranoid. Who am I? I don't know what I am. I don't know what I am. Am I consciousness? Are what are we? What are these what words? Matter? Words. I know words, what are words. words. Why do we words, understand them? <laughs> I can feel my skin. <laughs> like it was one of those, and then that, and then that, that pretty much. Did. Well, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> I did. I did. It was. It was a lot of kind of like balling up at the end near the corner and just being like, "Okay, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. Yeah, you're right. gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay." Yeah. You know? Oh God, I know that. I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, when I'm doing that, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. This is that thing that people talk about. <laughs> that's cool. Enjoy it. You even, you even chill with that. You I even know, chill totally, with your freak out. Totally, totally. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, actually, the only time I think I ever felt like I was in danger was in Amsterdam when I did uh, an entire space muffin, which which someone didn't – they didn't tell me that because I was used to doing the whole thing. Like, when you get a space cake, you do the whole space cake. 
Um, and someone didn't warn me that you're supposed to have half of this one. Anyways, I did it and I had like the worst set of my life at Boom Chicago um, where I went a half an hour too long and didn't remember the last 45 minutes of my set. <laughs> and then my friends all left me um, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, they're like, you're okay, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally fine. I'm outside of Boom Chicago and there's like, uh, what was it, Dumb Square or whatever. It's like some, some square that it's located on. And there's like, you know, a restaurant with like outdoor seating that has like a little chain railing or like kind of a chain to coordinate off. And so I sat down on a bench because I felt like I couldn't stand anymore. And I sat down on the bench, had my face in my hands. And I, a few times I tried to get up and I just couldn't. I was so dizzy. Uh, I just felt sick, and I just kind of sat there. So I just sat there for like an hour and a half. The lady came out from the restaurant, closed the shop, <laughs> and like, and then raised the chain of the fence to be higher or whatever to say, like, we're closed or whatever. And so she just left me there, and I was there. <laughs> and then like maybe two seconds or like maybe, I don't know, like after an hour and a half, her being gone, the place being closed, I hear, Reggie? And I'm like, what, what? And I look up, and it's this other Reggie. His name's Reginald, and Reginald D. Hunter, comedian, expat from uh, Chicago, I think, um, who lives in London. I had no idea why he was in Amsterdam. He was in Amsterdam. And uh, he's like, Reggie? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, you okay? I'm like, I can't move. I don't know. And he's like, I'll help you. And then he and his girl got me up who's also named reggie who's also named regina yeah. um, <laughs> specter he was dating regina, regina specter, specter. Yeah. they call reggie out, yeah. the three reggies <laughs> what should we do tonight we've got so much r power <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna carry the one r around amsterdam and <laughs> hope he doesn't uh, throw up on us when one r fails the other two the other are there two. to pick them up yep um yeah but they like took me back to my hotel and got got new hotel key put me in bed and everything it was like totally random out of the blue didn't see him again for the rest of the trip but saw him like a year later at the dublin comedy festival thanks for having me in amsterdam i yeah. was never in amsterdam i, know, I was like what are you talking about man no. <laughs> but I, I was very weird but that was the only time that i felt like oh i don't know how i'm going to resolve this issue <laughs> uh, other than just stay here until i'm not high anymore and hope that no one fucks with me holy shit well crazy. i the uh uh i maybe i told you this but i was on a plane a few years ago and someone was watching something on their laptop, and it was a concert, and I guess it was Madison Square Garden because it said Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. on little, I was getting to that thing where I'm, I was like, I just got, I got very engaged in what the person once, right. one over and one up was watching on the plane in the aisle. Yeah, and it was it it was it. Free, I had like a moment of, am I hallucinating? Because all of a sudden you walk out on stage, and it was the LCD sound system. Uh, oh, kind of, it was like that last right. tour that, yes. that he was doing. Yes, and you just appeared on the screen, and in my like, you know, it's really late at night on a plane. I'm like, what am I? Like, I thought I was dreaming because you just appeared on the screen. So, yeah. what? Uh, how did you get involved with the LCD sound system? Uh, it was it was very it was very strange. I did um, the this festival in Australia, New Zealand called the Big Day Out, mm -hmm. which is no longer. I was I was this the one I did was uh, whatever it was the summer before or the Australian summer before the Madison Square Garden for the LCD. LCD was on the bill for uh, this tour. I was I was doing this uh, like I was a stand up weirdo comedian for this like uh, festival within the festival, and we toured parallel with the festival and we had our own venue inside of the festival anyways they were there you know deftones romstein like all these crazy rock bands and i had never seen lcd sound system before uh so i finally got to see them and i was like oh this is 
these guys are incredible. They're all playing every part that you hear. There's nothing sequenced. Everyone's playing it by, by hand. It's like artisan electronic music. And uh, I was totally impressed by them. And then I realized that they were playing this song called 4433, I think is the name of it. That sounded like a song that I thought some band sampled a vocal of mine from the mid from a band that I had in the mid nineties called Mocktube, and we had a song called "You Can't Hide," and the chorus was "You can't hide, um, you can't hide." That was that was it, and so when I'd be out in Williamsburg and I'd hear like this song come on the speaker, I was like, "What did this band sample me and kind of tune it down a little bit? I don't know. And then I gave that up. And then I realized it was LCD that was singing that song. And, and I didn't say anything about it. I was like, Oh, that's crazy. I just noted it. I watched them five more times on, uh, in all the cities that they played in afterwards. I had some nice conversations with Nancy, um, his right hand man. And, uh, and Murphy, and so like we we talked, blah blah. blah. Then uh, some, fr- then that was over. I was going back to to New York, and then I heard, oh, they're playing their last show at Madison Square Garden. And then I immediately thought, okay, I have some friends in D- at DFA. I'm gonna try to see if I can get some tickets to go see them. And then I heard about the thing where the scalpers like mm-hmm. bought up all the tickets, and they were like, okay, fuck you, scalpers. We were adding four shows. Um, at Terminal 5, and they're going to be free to devalue the tickets that the, the scalpers. That's awesome. And so it's great. It's a Rolling Stones trick. And I was, I was like, oh, that's great. Then I get an email from Nancy saying, like, hey, do you want to play with us at Madison Square Garden? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And um, I was like, yeah, of course. I would I would love that. That's even better than getting tickets. And uh, We still got to buy the tickets, though. Yeah, it's just like, sorry, man. You still yeah. have to buy the tickets, and you have to buy a specific pair of shoes. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, okay. Um, but, like, yeah. Yeah, so then I show up at the rehearsal space and, okay, what do you guys want me to do? And they, This is like totally crazy synchronicity. They want me to sing the You Can't Hide part in 4433. And there's four vocal parts, so I could have done any of the other ones, but that's the specific one they wanted me to do. And then I... I called up pulled up the song on my phone i was like listen to this and and everyone the whole band listened and and everyone was like kind of silent for a second they were like that's really weird everyone was like that's very weird but that's the part i ended up singing so in that so there was it was a complete coincidence total coincidence you don't think it's possible that it just like one of them Maybe Murphy heard it somewhere, and it just got stuck in his brain, and he didn't realize. It's, it's possible, but I mean, Mocktube was such a regional. It was a Northwest band. Mm-hmm. It didn't really have much exposure out east, you know. And he's like a, I think he's an East Coast guy or Midwest East Coast guy. I don't know how he would have heard that. I mean, I, I don't know. I played it for him. I think he would have thought, you know, he would have been like, "Oh, I listen to Mocktube or something." Yeah. But no one. And there wasn't like a look of like, well, I'm not going to tell him that I knew about. It. You know, it was just, right. it was just an honest like, that's crazy. You can't, and it's the same notes. You you can't hide. And then their version is, your love away from me, world. <laughs> you can't hide. That was it. And mine was like, you can't hide. You can't hide. It's just very, 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 very bizarre. But anyways, that's how it came about. We were like. On tour, we kind of connected, and he's a fan of comedy. He's like a huge comedy fan, so he liked my comedy, and uh, we got along. So that's how it happened. What are your stage shows like now? I mean, just seeing, I, I like so one of the most fun things that I've ever gotten to do was that tour we did in like two thousand four. <laughs> I know, right? We uh, we toured. I'm 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 not telling you this because you know this. I'm just telling you this. <laughs> we uh, we. It, Mike Furman and I were doing Hard and Firm, and we we paired up with you because you you were kind of a fresh transplant to L.A. at that point, I think, or you were just popping up around L.A. I was popping point. up around L.A. Yeah, and I saw you the first time at UCB, and um, and 
we did a tour of the West Coast to almost literally no one. Yes. That's right. We, we did some right. really amazing venues like uh, the Triple Door, mm-hmm. and then we did some smaller bar venues, and and to almost no one. Yeah, and it was so much fun because so n- none fun. of us were doing anything that had any exposure at the time. Yeah, so there was no way to get like I don't even know how people would have known to come out and <laughs> right. see us. I know no podcast. This is kind of a pre-social media era. Yeah. There wasn't couldn't tweet it out. It was just like yeah, no podcast, no anything. It was just all like old school local promotion, and you know the in each of the cities, the the people were like, "No, thank you." But, uh, <laughs> but, but, no fancy shows for us, no thank you. Shows. But it was so much fun because you you know our approach was you know our our songs were sort of like sketches in that yeah they were built and that's what they were yes. every time and you your show changed every show was different although I, I think. That's where I I think maybe you evolved fuck shit stack yes, on for that sure. on that tour absolutely and it started it it evolved throughout the show yeah. and really kind of became fuck shit stack by the by the end that's of right it. yeah that's right yeah but do you still is your show still that improvisational in terms of like whatever you feel like doing in the moment or is it more structured now is your live show more structured it's still it's still pretty improvised I mean I definitely have I have. I have tropes and th- modes that I can go into, you know, be like f- physical humor or um, uh, a song, uh, this style of a song or something like that. Or languages. But, yeah, languages, uh, weird sounds. Like there are things that I can, it's kind of like a gear shift. You know, it's like a gearbox. Like I just have different gears I can go to. What happens once I go into that gear, who knows? But um, so that's enough of a structure. And then I'm always monitoring myself, trying trying to do new things. I'm always trying to approach things in new ways. So it's still pretty, I'd say, 90, 95% improvised. How do you know when to release? Like if you decide, like, oh, I want to release an album. Like what is that now? Like if so mm-hmm. much of your stuff is improvised and it's so in the moment, how do you capture that on a – like on a what would be a traditional right. m- means to give content out to people. Yeah, right. I mean, they're they're just improvised, you know. Like so, uh, both of my specials were just me. Like my first special was me performing in three different shows, and they took they just edited between the three different shows, and then um, my second one was, or actually my second one was just one show. It was it was uh, a live a live at Central Park and. And uh, that was just one show. So that was one show, and then interspersed with like you know uh, s- sketches. Um, the one that I'm about to do for well, I can't I guess I can't say who's who's for, but the one that is going to happen, you'll hear an announcement about, uh, will be like a theater show, but we're, I'm going to run it twice. So uh, so an audience will come and experience it like a th- theater show. There'll be bits that happen. Are you a Kurzweilian? Uh- uh, subscriber, like singularian, yes. Um, uh, not so much. I think that he's right about uh, the technology that we're that we're creating will become a little bit more biologically adaptive. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that that will happen. I don't think, I don't think we're going to. I don't think like implants, you know, like becoming machines, like by by placing machines within our bodies. I, I just don't think that that's necessary. I think that we'll develop different relationships to technology. I can imagine at some point. 
someone being able to make you feel as though you were in a telepresence robot. So sure. you're in Tokyo and you're like, Oh, I feel like I really am in Tokyo. I can feel the breeze on my skin, but we have a, we have a way of transmitting the sensations from thousands and thousands of miles away. So I imagine that could happen, but I just don't think we need to like, I need a cybernetic arm unless you're like lost an arm and you need a, right. but, but people electively like putting microchips under their skin. I mean, there'll always be, There'll be always be some cyber geeks that want to do that, and they'll do it, and it's fine, it's great. But I just don't. I think the technology, hopefully, is going to get better in the user interface department. It definitely has to get better in the user interface, just in terms of um, being. Because it's so funny, as as technologically advanced as we feel like we are, we're Uh still interface with machines the way machines would interface. Exactly, we're still hunched over. Yes, many other. Yeah, every yeah yeah four. You know, it works three out of five times. Like we just don't. I mean, I mean, I, I every time I'm always like, okay, well. I press the icon, and then there's it's an animated expansion into the Apple app. It's like, first of all, get rid of the fucking animated expansion. Just make it – and I understand they're buying time right. for the program to load. And I get that. But technology should just be like boom, boom, boom. It should be so fast and so intuitive that we just swim through the things that we want to do, and then we put our technology away. I want technology to get the fuck out of the way. It's like so – it's ruling – we're basically – repair technicians we're, we're walking it people like constantly yeah. like oh well my bluetooth it's not connecting anymore let me go into my settings turn off bluetooth no wait a minute let me oh, you know i'm gonna have to reset the phone you're gonna do a reset. Like, all that all that crap and then people walking around hunched over looking at phones it's so inelegant and we're in a we're in an interesting phase there's a crossover point i did try the meta twos mm-hmm. um uh, the augmented reality interactive augmented reality display system i think that that's promising because uh uh, it it frees up your hands and you're able to see graphical information just overlaid in your in your in your everyday world. I, it'll present a new set of problems. And actually, the movie that that um, that is out now, uh, Creative Control, that I'm in. That's the movie that you're in. Yes, and that that addresses that issue um, in an interesting way that probably will happen. But if you keep yourself in a tool mindset, productivity mindset, I think it will be. An interesting way because uh, to interact with technology because then your hands are free and you're just seeing things and using intuitive gestures to uh, to initiate things as opposed to oh okay here's an app I'm so tired of like squares within squares within squares it's so primitive to me like I feel like our technology is so primitive for you don't us. like the idea of digital nesting yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, no. Not, not so no, much another one here's another one and there's another one, another one. It's, it's so tiny. So nothing vibrates. You can press and squeeze the screen. It's just uh, and I like why why are our phones rectangular? We don't need them to be rectangular. I understand video formats and all that, but they should be more ergonomic. They should feel better in our hands if we're going to use handheld technology. I just feel like we're not doing a very good I'm job. I'm telling you what I what I really would love to happen is um, is uh, receiver on the thumb talk piece on the pinky awesome. so that everyone can do the stand-up comic telephone yeah, totally, totally. whenever someone makes a call yeah so i'm on the phone the other day with the cable company i'm like come out you know it's like totally. this is what i want to see this is I what i want to see the phones i know i want i just want to see like fun technology should be fun and it should be creative and it should inspire uh adventure would you let some would you let the, if there was an implant that you could put like in your ear sure. canal that you could um then that was the only phone that you used because mm-hmm. it would you know you would you would it would echo off your skull and mm-hmm. you could still hear would you would you want that because some of the <laughs> things that it sounds like you want will involve a moderate amount of uh biological invasion well i mean i think 
my thing is, I mean, you know, technology now can read, I mean, we can read brain waves, we can read brain activity, um, and now people are controlling robotic arms, which is thoughts, without having implants. I mean, they do do implants, but now they have devices that can, wetware, that can, that can analyze our brain activity and then interpret that into actions. And I think that we'll, there will be plenty of opportunities for non-invasive technology, that, something that you would just wear, like, you know, that goes behind your ear, mm-hmm. that takes care of all of that like without because the problem with technology is it's always going to upgrade and if you're putting stuff in your body you're going to have to up how are you going to upgrade that because the hardware is going to get old at a certain point yeah and you're going to have to like take that out and get a new thing and your body's going to go into weird rejection and all this so it's not it's actually not very efficient i don't think to like have implants i think it's better for technology to be able to read our you know like for instance the meta twos they have um uh gaze detection so you can uh, not gay detection, but gaze detection, because <laughs> that would be very homophobic. But um, but but it, but it can. Uh, it's just like you can't. You are gay. It's like what? Wait, I just want to check my email. But um, <laughs> it's like seventy two percent gay. Um, All right. I guess whatever. Guess so. Whatever. I like to fuck. But um, but no, I mean like it can it can it can see where your eyes are. So because you know when we're looking around, that's the problem with VR. It's like you just. Have have this experience that you can look around but your gaze isn't engaged so like right. so as you're turning your head your your eyes are moving slightly uh, they're moving first before your head is is moving usually right. when you're looking so all of those little complicated things that make reality seem very rock solid are just now we're just now starting to enter into that but the meta 2s have that capability once that starts to happen We'll notice that this graphical overlay will be very natural and very fluid, and it'll get out of the way. We can like get rid of it when we don't want it there. It'll be there when we need it, and and customization. That's what I'm looking forward to because right now we can't customize shit. Do you remember like early Nokia's or like Sony Ericsson? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like tiny, tiny Sony Ericsson that had the first Bluetooth yeah. uh, transmitter. I remember like I would run into another Bluetooth enabled device, and I could just send a file. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a file. I'll just send it or. I'm going to record my um, my ringtone, ring, 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 and then just like assign. I think a lot of that's probably it. just proprietary licensing it is. stuff, and they won't be like all the companies are like, well, fuck, we're not going to fucking work with them. Like there is, of a, course, it's all possible. They just the companies no, won't work together. That's what I'm saying. But like that, it's going to have to get back to that because it's not about that. It's about it's about getting to the experiences. So people are hindering the pipelines to the experiences. They're like locking it up. A bunch of gatekeepers like, well, now you got to like buy a ringtone. You can't. You can make a ringtone, but you got to use this app and you have to buy it in order to make the ring to all that's like bullshit people are going to get tired of that because someone's going to create a product that just bypasses all of that which i'm really looking forward to and then it's just about what are the experiences you're offering people you know there'll be uh, i think that that's just that's inevitable because i think we're all going to get tired of like targeted commercials targeted ads um uh proprietary all of that stuff it's just going to i don't know for me and for wire you know cutters or uh whatever cable nevers or whatever they call it cable, cable nevers streamers <laughs> i don't know cable whatever they're nevers. called cable nevers cord cutters was the word but i really like cable because nevers cable nevers is like they didn't even they have, never had it they never had they it never had they it. just went straight to streaming but when you're streaming and you have something like netflix it's like well there's not an ad that's my thing i'm looking for what doesn't have a commercial in it because uh, I want to, I want to experience things, but I don't want to be marketed to. Well, I, I think marketing is 
I think people don't mind as long as the marketing is well, if it's relevant, relevant and seamless. And but I, I also wonder if they're going to be people who are kind of purists for human experience, where they they don't want targeted ads; they just want ads that may not apply to them because it gives them some sort oh, of a, right it's a like, worldly oh, I get connection. To be surprised, you know? Uh, yeah, like, of course. But- yeah, I know. I'm already going to like. Shirtless pictures of Benedict Cumberbatch yeah, mopping a floor in a Victorian castle. I know I already like that. Stop bringing me that. Why did I go there? Well, because it's because uh, it's that would be amazing. You know what? That's why gaze detection. Gaze detection. <laughs> gaze detection. But it was. Uh, it really was. Um, it's. 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 Re- it, we're. We're so. It, our, our technology. The. The. The, the convenience of it. And the trying to serve ads to us to sell yeah. us stuff directly, it it is creating these weird narcissism bubbles where we just expect the world is going to bend over back. It's like, you know, when people go, um, "Well, I don't understand why this show didn't do this or didn't do that, or they right. should." It's like, it's not. You know, the whole world isn't fucking Burger King. It's yeah, like, it doesn't right. always have to be exactly for you. I think people seem so spoiled that they expect that everything needs to be tailored exactly for them, and if it's not, it's the worst thing ever. And it's like it's not. Some things just aren't meant for you, yeah. you know, and that's okay. It's called life. That's you know, called it's like, life. It's just like life happens. And you create exactly. your own synthetic gravity, man. <laughs> yeah, man. If only they could do that, man. So many problems would be solved. This does weave somewhat seamlessly <clears throat> yes. into uh, the film that, uh, that you're in. Oh, Krikon, yes. <laughs> did you already shorten it? I did, but no one else will. <laughs> so when did you do when did you do the movie? Uh we filmed I think uh, four three years ago, something like that. Um and uh, my parts and they yeah, so it finished filming 3 years ago and then it took a long time for editing and uh special effects and finding someone to distribute it. Now it's on Amazon. So, um yeah, it was a while ago. Um, I saw it for the first time a year ago at South by Southwest. Creative control. Yeah. Not to be confused with Prince's pussy control. No, no, no. Not to be confused. Often confused, but not to be confused. <laughs> Pukon? <laughs> yeah, Pukon. Uh, Pukon. Uh, when did it come out? When does the movie come out? Um, it, it's out now. It's out uh, in L.A. It's at the Landmark. Um Something on the west side, which is a terrible. Pitch me your move, Reggie. It's, it takes place in the near future. Augmented uh, uh, reality is now. There's a first product on the market that's very, very realistic and mm-hmm. very believable, and it looks like a pair of Warby Parker glasses. All right, and uh, then uh, yeah, so you know, there's our character David. He works at a marketing firm. He's an artistic director, creative director, and this company Augmenta comes to him and says, like, Hey, we need help marketing our new augmented reality believable glasses. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all right, I can do that. But you know what? Here's my idea. I'm going to hire this weirdo named Reggie Watts to come and push the boundaries of your technology just to show what people can do with it. And then they're like, yeah, okay, that's great. Now was a French guy. And that was the f- – no, that wasn't a French guy. That no, was- no, I said now as a French oh, guy. Oh, now as a French guy. Yeah. Yes, right. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, the lead of uh, the marketing uh, for Augmenta is, oui. Uh, oui. is Jacques Lodwick, oui. who created Vimeo. Oui. So we have Vimeo uh, represented there. Oui. And um, – Yes, and so he becomes infatuated. David becomes infatuated Australian. with technology. Well, I don't know if I can do it that way, but I'll try. Um, yeah, so he this this bloke goes. I don't know. I can't. Do that. 
Um, they're going to kill me. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> Sorry, Australia. Um, it's oh, like, get him! It's like, please stop. Um, no, but he he just becomes infatuated. He, he's an addict, and the technology just enables This his... prick just went from Brisbane to Tasmania. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, was it the map of Tasmania? Map of Tasmania. For, uh, yeah, map of Tasmania. Yeah, Amanda Palmer. Yeah, thank you, Amanda Palmer. Bikini lines. Um, yeah, basically, he just gets... He, he uses the technology in a very weird science kind of a way of like constructing his own uh, perfect woman that he has a relationship with and uh, it kind of goes awry it's just a composite that he falls in love with but he's also an addict and it just kind of shows you like when given an opportunity to like experience something great or to uh, become involved in something uh, potentially life-changing people tend to pick the dumbest option which is (laughs) porn or uh, some kind of a control, an addictive control. And so that's what he ends up using the technology for. And it's just like this beautiful downward spiral that you see him go into. And no one in the movie, it's great, uh, no one in the movie (laughs) is redeemable. There's not one redeemable character in the movie, and it's a very cold reality. And I think a lot of people misunderstood. Like they're like, "Well, it's just a cold reality. I don't get it." It's like, no, it's it's the commenting on what could be in the future, which is this aesthetic bohemian existence you know that everyone's trying to buy into a high-end advertising lifestyle and these this technology kind of insulates us and kind of perpetuates our vision of ourselves but it's only it's very aesthetic it's very surface and seeing people addicted and self-absorbed living in these glass towers it's really just a comment on where we're headed, you know, and that when you come out, when I came out of that movie and I saw everybody walking down the street, hunched over, looking at their phones all the time, which I do. And all of us do. And like always a phone in the hand phone, looking down at the phone all the time. I was like, it's, it's happening. Like there is a version of that happening. And uh, yeah, it's a good question. It's like what sci-fi does best. It asks interesting questions and hopefully starts some dialogue. So I really like the movie for that. All right. I really liked the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need you to know, I'm not the executive. I'm just the oh, janitor. Kyle killed the previous executive. Uh, um, allegedly. Allegedly. But I'll allow it. I'm going to allow it. So we look. <laughs> so... <laughs> you got to wrap it all up. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's good. But I do, I do look forward to the day where people are not hunched over their phones. I know. They are, they are looking out at augmented reality, so everyone just is looking just past your yes, head. Yes, 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 yes. Everyone's just looking all around your head, but no one – but it's still – I still don't think augmented reality is going to solve the connection problem because I think people still won't look at each other in the fucking eyeballs anymore. No, no, it, it may not. But at least it will be fun to play games together. Right? I agree. I agree. Still see the room, not hit your head. Reggie Watt. Creative Control. The movie is out now. Uh, um, the Late Late Show with James Corden, uh, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday, I think. Yeah, you yeah. do two shows Thursday, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Something yeah. like that. Um, you know, I adore you, and I will always do anything for you. So please, um, uh, you can take Kyle home if you want. Oh In my fact, God. I wish you would take Kyle home. Yeah. contest. I want it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Anytime you have anything at all to do i'm always there for you excellent man uh enjoy your burrito everyone enjoy you should tell people to enjoy their burrito hey guys enjoy your burritos now british <laughs> hello <laughs> hello everyone please do enjoy and imbibe in burritos uh fr- french again hello everyone uh, please uh, do not eat burritos they are disgusting um uh, other countries where i would have you do voices that don't seem racist uh <laughs> I would, oh yeah, just 
general kind of European guy. You ja. Know, say, hey, guys, I was ja. cool. Hey, it's cool to eat burritos, guys. Come on. I did the burrito in Ibiza one time. Oh, that's so wonderful, Babita. It's so rhyme with pizza. It no. does not actually rhyme. No, it does not. That was not that <laughs> no, language. No, it does not. I'm not sorry. That I'm sorry. I don't appreciate it. I am it. from Mykonos. You cannot. Uh... <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> That's the truest thing you've said, man. What? I don't know who I am. Hey, stay tuned for Apple Dumpling Gang. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like sure. to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This mother lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts